All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Yes, week eleven, buddy. We're more than halfway <laughs> through the football season here. I mean, I get that was probably that was probably a couple weeks ago. But uh, when you get to this point in football, do you feel like things are just known? I mean, look, as much as I mean, football is a stupid sport in the sense that like you can never seem to know anything um, in terms of like you know. Um, I, I guess I'm putting known in quotes here, but like, are there any surprises at this point in the season, ba- other than just like you know? bad performances, like Marlon Mack doesn't get enough yards or like, I don't know, things like that. But I mean, do you think that at this point, 11 weeks, you would usually say 11 games is an incredibly small sample size for anything. But do you think through 11 weeks of football, we we just have like a pretty straightforward sense of as much as we can know? Like, do you think we know as much now that, as we'll know in like week 14? Does that make sense what I'm asking? I, I feel like, I don't yeah, think Yeah, I, think, I un- think it makes sense. So I think that basically the way I see it is that football... The, the major surprises that actually mean something are almost all opportunity-based, um, with the exception of rookies. Sometimes, you know, rookies will come on and they'll be better than we thought or worse than we thought, and we can actually learn meaningful things about what their production will look like going forward. Now, in football, yeah, of course, there's going to be surprises. Like, you're going to have one-off incredible performances from week to week, and, you know, that will swing GPPs. You know, like Daniel Jones had 30 fantasy points last week. Um Things like that will happen that are going to be surprising. But in terms of how that will affect our projections next week and beyond, I don't feel like we're acquiring that much new information about the known talents. The real surprises or the real information gathering process usually comes around how we are reassigning opportunity when guys go down or new opportunity situations show up. So that's pretty much what we're on right now. You know, we we pretty much know what defenses are. I think that's another big thing that shifts around early season projections quite a bit like you know early in the season you might not know that Tampa Bay was going to have a good DVOA against the run or whatever but as the season progresses you know Vegas gets better on that projection outfits like us get better at that and uh you know it all starts to come together in a more coherent way for sure all right so uh, yeah I, I, that's kind of what I meant I was like you know you're not you're not I'm not talking about like oh we're just gonna you know we have the crystal ball and we're just gonna know that you know so and so is gonna be the top of GBP lineups that's not really what I mean I was yeah you I think you you summed it up yeah you got into my brain buddy and just that's kinda, why that's why I'm here buddy yeah yeah that is why you're here like my I was gonna well which one of us is each other's muse I'm like your Rosa I'm like your Rosetta Stone that's yeah I was, gonna say, I was gonna say one of us is each other's muse but I'm just not sure which way that direction goes okay we are going to get into week 11 cash game plays. Uh, I think in some ways, like FanDuel for our projection system purposes is looking fairly straightforward. I think DraftKings is going to be a slightly different story here. We'll get into um, why I think that's the case. At quarterback, I, I just I, I think people are just going to stare at Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson this whole week, and they're facing each other and just say, which one of these guys do I want to play? I, I, I wrote them both up. I struggled to really make a third case for a third guy, which I did sort of at the bottom as a as an afterthought, mostly just because of a editorial process where we say, well, let's write up three guys. But <laughs> I th- to me, it's just Watson and Lamar Jackson, and you're basically deciding between the two. They are, like I said, they are facing each other. Ravens are slight favorites, minus four and a half at home. Both are basically league leaders in fantasy points per game with the quarterback. Um, when you look at these two names, right now our system is showing Watson 100%. Do you feel okay with that decision? I, I'm not sure how much is going to change from now till Sunday. So there's a lot going on here. So first of all, you know, while Jackson has been absolutely incredible um, in, from a daily fantasy perspective, and you know, much has been made about his incredible breakout year, 
Watson has almost been his equal. I mean, and he's one of the few people that can say that. Uh, he's scoring two fewer fantasy points per game, which is ultimately a lot. You know, that's certainly, you know, not a small difference when we're talking about coming up on Sundays and our lineups, our top 50 lineups will be separated by less than two points, right? So uh, that, that is a small difference, relatively speaking. But in terms of fantasy production over the course of the season, uh, that is a pretty narrow difference. And of course, Watson's also cheaper here. So I think the fact that Watson is almost as good as Jackson, but he's, you know, call it 8% cheaper, that might wind up moving the needle. And then the other piece is the defensive end. I, I think, you know, sight unseen, most people would look at these two teams and say, oh, well, Baltimore is just like insane defense and Houston's probably about league average. I think that's the general kind of common folks perspective as you look at these two teams. And then the reality when you look at DVOA is that they're a lot closer than you might think. Uh, Baltimore, the 14th ranked overall defense this season uh, per DVOA and Houston's 18th. So they're really not that different. And they, they kind of get their things done in different ways. Like um, Baltimore is a more balanced defense where Houston's very good against the run and not very good against the pass. But given that Baltimore and Jackson in particular really wants to be out there running, uh, you know, that just might balance itself out. So, yeah, I think it's ultra close. And when it's this close, oftentimes price winds up winning the day. Yeah, that's it. Watson's just cheaper. He's like, I don't know, 8% cheaper on both sites or something like that. And I think that is like our projections on them. We have Lamar Jackson projected for slightly higher than Deshaun Watson, as should be the case. But when, he, but it's not the difference isn't enough to make up the price difference, and I think that's what's ultimately going to win the day. Now, if you look at standard deviations and uh, coefficient of variation this year, Lamar Jackson has been as about as consistent as it gets. Um, he's a 0.22 coefficient of variation. Most other guys in this tier are like 0.38. So he's significantly he just gets it's it's because he does so much on the ground. Like the, the running yards are so safe on a week to week basis that. He's just going to be more consistent on a week-to-week basis, and, and I'm saying that because that number would scream at you. Play this guy in cash. You just mu- you know much more what you're going to get. Like that would make that might say that that safety piece, which is not going to be factored into our weighted mean average, might just be the thing that if you if you that that might be worth paying up for him. Does that make sense? What I'm saying like that that one specific piece might be the difference in like you know stripping away the weighted mean. Uh, average of proje- uh, projected points, but ultimately, I think that people are just going to stare at these two guys and just say, "I'm going to play one or the other." Uh, just a couple quick defensive notes: Baltimore is much better against the pass this year than the run in terms of DVOA, and it's the opposite for Houston. Uh, Houston's much better against the run than the pass. So, I think, th- I, I think, like I said, I think this decision comes down to these two. I threw Kyle Allen in there as a, I don't know, th- just to throw him in there. He plays the Falcons. I think people may talk, might talk themselves into it. He's very cheap on DraftKings. And I, I guess I'm going to mention this real quick before we move on to running backs. I do think price actually is a little more problematic on DraftKings this week than it is on FanDuel. I think FanDuel, we can fit some of these high p- price running backs in there. and But on DraftKings, I'm really not getting the sense that we're going to be able to, at least this early. Could you see a case for going down to Matt, uh, not Matt Ryan, uh, down to Kyle Allen, knowing that the Atlanta defense in general has been horrific against the past this season? It depends on how everything else came together, I think. Uh, I think on DraftKings, especially skill position players have more explosive game potential on DraftKings because of the PPR. And I think for that reason, paying down a qu- and quarterbacks, relatively speaking, are cheaper there uh, compared to the most expensive guys. And so I think the combination of those two things often leads us to being more apt to paying down a quarterback on DraftKings. I don't know if we'll wind up doing it this week. I haven't really stared at all the permutations as closely as I could. Um, I will say 
Kyle Allen, you know, in that rookie class of guys who's continuing to show more as the season progresses, uh, coming off his very best week in terms of both total yards but also total attempts. And, you know, he's getting other weapons back online right now, like Greg Olson, things like that. Uh, not that Olson was necessarily hurt, but that he was, wasn't as, as much involved. Uh, he's obviously developing a better relationship with DJ Moore. So I, I am a believer in the improvements in Carolina. I'll say that. And if you think they're as legit as they were last week, then 5,300 or whatever look, looks like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I mean, I just locked him in instead of Watson. And it gave, like, McCaffrey was not in the top lineup. But when you lock Allen in, McCaffrey comes in the top lineup. And I think that's going to be the one thing that maybe think, you know, we'll shift over running backs now. But um, I think that might be the one decision that we're staring at and saying, hmm, I wonder you know, what, because McCaffrey, in terms of coefficient of variation, I mentioned how safe uh, Jackson was. Actually, McCaffrey, I take that back. McCaffrey's not as safe. But look, 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 we'll get into this in one second. Let me just uh, hit a sponsor. Vivid Seats, if you're looking to go to a game this year, football, I mean, now that we're getting late in the season, now's actually not the worst time to try to get some football tickets, especially if a team is out of the playoff race and you kind of just want to get a, I don't know, a fun Sunday of tailgating in and then just go to a game instead of, and I was joking with someone the other day that's like, most people just go to football games now, just like stare at their phones to see how their fantasy team is doing, I think. But if you're going to not do that and then just go to the game instead, you got to use the Vivid Seats app. Uh, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. That's going to give you up to $100 back on your first purchase. You have to be a first-time customer. Also going to roll you into the rewards program. Uh, earns you points with more purchases, uh, and then you get cash back and stuff like that the more purchases you make through the Vivid Seeds app. The great online interface, too. You can just see exactly what you see exact views of where the seats are. So you just click on the, the tickets you want, and it'll just show you the exact panoramic view of what you're going to see when you show up to the game. Vivid Seats app, use the promo code OVERTIME and get all those benefits and really just no other, no ticket ticketing app is easier to use than Vivid Seats. So go check it out. Vivid Seats app, use the promo code OVERTIME. Running backs, I, there's just so much, to, this, it's, it feels like McCaffrey cooking or bust, right? I mean, I, I know we have a third guy in here, but these guys, are, it feels like with the Watson and, and Lamar Jackson thing, except you can only play one of those guys at quarterback, right? Like right. Um, with McCaffrey and Cook, we talked offline yesterday, and I was saying, I was like, man, this seems so cut and dry. Like, we just have to play both these guys. Are you feeling the, the need to just come hell or high water? Absolutely, no matter what happens. I'm saying this so we can keep ourselves in check <laughs> when it comes to actually on Sunday to make sure it happens. Um, I'm saying this just as much for myself as anything else. Do we just need to just kind of lock these guys in and then just figure out the rest of the lineups around them? No, I, I don't like that approach usually. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to just press the lock button and build a lineup from there. I think that's actually typically a way that you can pigeonhole yourself into potentially a pretty damaging situation to your overall equity. That being said, these are two phenomenal plays. And I think walking into a, a week like this, just at least aware that you will probably be off chalk if you're not playing. I mean, it's certainly at least one, but probably not both. Um, and it's a confluence of two factors, right? So there's a confluence of these two excellent plays that are in line for outrageous opportunity relative to their prices. And then there's a the combination also of just week in, week out, underpriced wide receivers. And that's actually the thing. That's the story for me as we get late in the season. We see this in basketball too. Is there legitimately somebody's job? I, I know that it's an algorithm by and large that launches these, right? Because new contests launch with the new prices the moment they're, the old contest starts, right? So it's not like, I, I know that there's not Jerry... In, in pricing or whatever, and he's not sitting there being like, how much should DJ Moore cost, right? But doesn't it seem like as the season goes along, 
there's they're doing less manual tweaks to, to pricing, and that that's the thing that just winds up happening. And when you say things become known, like DJ Moore, if he had done what he's been doing recently, and his opportunity has been what it is recently, he just wouldn't be six thousand. We're, we're on three straight weeks now of DJ Moore being absolute chalk and being highly targeted and good on the chalk. So what needs to happen, right? So anyway, you get him at a thousand too cheap, and when you get a couple guys like that. Uh, you wind up getting money left over, and then when you have money left over, guys that are already the highest points per dollar plays in Cook and McCaffrey, uh, they're going to wind up showing up in your lineup. So McCaffrey is sort of a known quantity, I think, at this point. I think when you want to look at Cook, though, um, I think he's probably still underrated by the DFS masses, and I would guess McCaffrey winds up getting a higher overall ownership. But, you know, just some quick numbers on Cook, too. Uh, 27 or more touches in each of his last four games. That's a lot. Right. <laughs> if you're if you're not following this super super closely, uh, that is a hell of a lot. Scored 25 or more fantasy points in three of the last four of those games too. So, uh, super high floor. The touches will absolutely be there. Outside of outrageous game scripts, Vegas thinks this is a close game. I think he's a much better play than maybe the the eyeball test casual fan sort of you know mentality would would appear. Yeah, I, the price Cook's price on FanDuel is a total joke. Eighty six hundred is. Is he's going to be like ninety five percent owned? I think. I, you think he will be that high? Oh okay. yeah, yeah, I think so. He's the ten and a half point home favorites against Denver. Um, his his opportunity is second highest in the league, right after McCaffrey. Not after McCaffrey. He's like ten percent lower overall than McCaffrey, but he's still second in the league uh, in that next class. He's been chalk in the past um, at, at other times during the season. So I just think the, the eighty six hundred is like. You talk about DJ Moore's price being a joke. I think the Cook price at eighty six hundred is a joke too. I, I get that they're different tiers. Um, he should be like nine thousand or more. So at least there's a decision to make here. There's no decisions to make on Fanduel. I think this is part of the reason I think that on Fanduel you're going to see just crazy high ownership on both McCaffrey and Cook. It just doesn't take any work to get them into lineups. Like like Cook's price specifically should be like ninety five hundred based on the rest of the the rest of the group of running backs here. Because I think that's part of the problem too. Is that like it's not really sectioned off by who the other guys are. Because after McCaffrey and Cook, you have Zeke and you have Josh Jacobs, and I think people can maybe talk themselves into either one. Neither of their opportunities, I don't think, are close to what Cook's is. Um, but then after that, there's such a massive drop-off in running back that you're not even considering out to anyone outside of the top class. So I just think that the Cook price is joking. Like on FanDuel, it's a little different. Sorry, on DraftKings, it's a little different for me. But um, sorry, what were you going to say? Do you disagree? So I think, I think you actually are considering a couple other guys. But, you know, one, and this is like the old school way to do it, but I think it's a quick and dirty way to at least figure out when the pricing gets totally out of line. So if you go through the top, say, 20 running backs, on average, they're priced at about two times their season-long production. And so if all guys were priced efficiently, you'd probably be fine taking Josh Jacobs at 8,000 against Cincinnati, right? You're like, a great matchup. It's a home game. He's coming on more later in the season, blah, blah, blah. So at $8,000, he's averaged just under 16 fantasy points a game. And you look up and down the line, and it's like Zeke at 8,400, averaging 16. You know, Ingram at 75, averaging 14, and so on and so forth. And then you get Cook, who's averaging 22 fantasy points a game. And he's 8,600. And then McCaffrey, who's averaging 27.6 at 10.5. So just on a, a sheer raw value perspective, you can see that, and again, this makes sense early in the year. Like if McCaffrey scores 34 points in game one, he shouldn't be 17,000 in week two. I get that part. But this late in the year, like you just know who guys are. So I just want to wag my finger at them and be like, hey, if you want this to be interesting where we can play different guys every week, you have to sort of change things up. I will say the one guy that is sort of a value you know, just by that metric alone. And I think 
you know, and those, that metric's not perfect, right? Season-long production to price, that's not going to always get you the whole way or tell the whole story. Uh, but Leonard Fournette, um, averaging 15.5 fantasy points a game at 7,200, so he passes that sort of raw value thing. And then if you look at recent opportunity, it's pretty much the same thing outside of getting boat raced by Houston last week. Um, he still got 17 touches, by the way, in that game, which is kind of a miracle considering how just terrible and out of sorts the Jags looked overall. Prior to that, though, he had five straight weeks of 26 or more touches. So, you know, opportunity in line with Cook. It's not a good a team, not as good an offense. The touchdown production won't always be there for Fournette because of all that. He's got one touchdown on the year, but uh, he's still doing it. I think uh, I would definitely don't mind him in that third, you know, in a flex spot for running back this week, especially on FanDuel. And I think actually there's huge upside there um, if he just connects all that opportunity, like one of those 25 to 30 touch games and just happens to punch in a couple touchdowns, which you think should happen eventually. Uh, then I think Fournette still still a very good play. I, I could see. I don't want to really want to take him over Cook or McCaffrey, but I definitely like him in that third slot. We'll talk about this in the game by game podcast tomorrow. But along those same lines, Joe Mixon touched, ran the ball thirty times last week in a game they lost by thirty. So like I, that's the one where I'm like, huh, oh, okay, well that's going to be the plan. We'll talk about this in the game by game because that's one of those like outlier. Let's just give Joe the ball a lot. I know we're getting absolutely crushed, but. Um, most times we talk about game script issues, but if you're going to touch that many the ball that many times uh, when you're losing by that many, like I they play Oakland this week, that's something. Like I said, we'll get into that. Dude, when I saw that happening, I, I almost I had this thought where I was like, I wonder if they're just sitting around and Mixon's like complaining every week, and he's like, Coach, I don't get the ball enough. I'm the best player on the team, and they were like, Oh yeah. You think us not giving you the ball is the reason we're losing? Fine. Next game, I'm going to give you 30 carries. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And it's just like, and then he's like, "Really, coach? We're down by 40." Now get back out there. Same buddy. play. We're calling you. It's a sweep. Get in there. Yeah, just like <laughs> draw I, up the middle. Go ahead. I Take another. I couldn't hit. believe it in the moment when I was watching it, and then when I was auditing all these, all this stuff. I was like, "Oh my good god! Like, what? I've never seen anything like this. This is like." I, whatever we'll get we'll talk about it. they're mind. trying to come in last maybe, uh, that's what you need to know maybe. about Cincinnati right now they want to come in dead last uh, they want the first pick they just they don't care about anything other than other than losing at this point so and they're all they're all there and they're getting held by Miami just continuing doing games okay well, let's get into wide receivers real quick second sponsor mybookie.ag you also use the promo code overtime on mybookie the Cleveland Browns, uh, they were uh, every bit the team that we didn't think they were going to be with, we threw out the bet. I will say that but the system I had, the betting system that I've been working, kind of like fiddling with this whole year, did have the Browns covering that game. Um, I know we liked, uh, ultimately it didn't feel right, and so um, we just kind of went more with the Bills. But a couple bets that our system likes this week for my bookie, before we get into that, you got to use the promo code overtime. They're going to match your deposit 50% up to $1,000 for first-time depositors. So $1,000 will get you a $500 deposit bonus and then you can do the math all the way down but you got to use the promo code overtime and you have to be a first time you have to be a first time customer right now the first one the aforementioned Cincinnati Bengals loves Oakland covering the minus 10 which you, that's pretty rare minus 10 is a huge number this has this has Oakland up by almost 15 in this uh and this isn't even factoring that they that Cincinnati did a quarterback change because I haven't like feathered in a completely great way to like make that happen to the, figure out like the you know the overall well, it's very difficult to know how Walton. how big a difference yeah well, it sure didn't look great. So let's let me put it this way: it doesn't look like it's better. So, so I think from that standpoint, I think from that standpoint, I felt pretty safe using the, the season-long numbers. Uh, but if you go over to my bookie right now, they line it started at ten and a half, actually dropped to ten. So if uh, you think it's going the wrong direction, it's an even better chance to hammer it. Uh, go over to my bookie, use the promo code overtime. They'll match that deposit bonus, and you're good to go. Like I said, I use we use my bookie for all of our stuff here. So this was we say this every week, but this is about the easiest sponsor read you could ever do uh, with something you already use. So mybookie.ag, go check it out. You play, you win, you get paid. 
need. Let's do some wide receivers. You mentioned DJ Moore already. The guy's the top 10 targets over the last four five weeks. Um, I wrote that up in the article. Like, it's this price is stupid. Uh, I just don't really... We, we agreed there. You kind of already said it. I think DJ Moore is going to be crazy chalk this week. Gets an even better matchup this week against Atlanta. Terrible against the pass. I think you'll see people just stack McCaffrey. And I will say the one thing with Moore is Samuels has been the, and Olsen have been the touchdown recipients. Uh, Moore did see two red zone looks last week. He has not gotten into the end zone. And he's probably not the pri- He's just not going to be their primary guy in the red zone. So you're not going to really ever get there on the touchdown stuff as much in terms of projection as the other guys. I don't think it matters, though. 6,000. On DraftKings, six thousand on FanDuel, pretty easy call. Fifty nine hundred on DraftKings, pretty easy call. I wonder what you think of some of these other names too. But actually, before we even get to these guys, Mike, I gotta just say this about Michael Thomas. If you did not know, Michael Thomas right now is on pace to break the all time receptions in a season record that Marvin Harrison had in two thousand four. He is nine. He's nine catches ahead of the pace right now. So like a good wide receiver, a very good wide receiver game ahead of the pace of uh, this right now. We talked about this a little in chat. We talked about narratives really not meaning stuff for us. And we've talked about this outside, independent of Michael Thomas, by the way, because uh, we were talking about it going into the last week. How much does this factor in for you actually now, though? We're in week 11. The narrative piece of like just knowing that he has a not even outside chance, like a good chance. He's a favorite to get there. Do you think that this is the kind of narrative that you want to tick a guy up on, I guess? Does that make sense? Sometimes I never want to do this on narrative. And this feels like one of those, you mentioned in chat, like, is this one of those situations to do it? Like a, a historic narrative. I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can. I think it's reasonable. I just don't know if you need to. Like, he's just, he's already, you know, going to get 12, 12 targets a game. Is that the fair number on Thomas right now? Yeah. And you know the conversion rate is absolutely outrageous. I, the, so <laughs> I'm going to make a comparison that many people can relate to, Doug. When I'm playing catch with my kids, like when they were really young, we would try to do this thing where we would set a record of most catches back and forth. So I would throw it to them. They would throw it back to me. Spoiler alert. I would always make a perfect throw, and I would always catch it when they threw it to me. It always came down to their end, right? So it was this two-person thing. I can be as good at catching and throwing as I want, but if they're not on the same page, then I just can't get there. The fact that Thomas has done this with two different quarterbacks and when like when I'm not playing catch with people in the backyard, there's no one trying to stop us. The fact that this is happening when every other team knows that this is the plan, that 12 to 14 times a game they're going to throw this guy the ball, and no one, they can't stop it twice, 25 balls thrown his way in the last two weeks, and he catches 24 of them? I just don't, it just seems outrageous. It seems like that should be maybe what they do in practice, but probably, probably not even then, right? Like, just sometimes the ball just doesn't go exactly where you planned or you just aren't on your A game. So, yeah, Thomas is absolutely phenomenal. I think, you know, I don't know if he can be underrated or not. I don't always talk to people outside of our business about football, so I don't know if he's overrated, underrated, whatever. But, yeah, truly special and phenomenal. So, anyway, I think you can continue projecting him for this. I think this is legit. I don't think you need to give him any sort of boost. I wouldn't give him 15 targets or anything, but I think no matter who they're up against, they will be throwing him the ball. So he's easily the most consistent wide receiver on the season. He is the funniest thing about stats and with his price too, uh, just on the season, first in targets by eight more targets than the next closest guy. First in receptions, uh, 18 catches more than the next closest guy in DeAndre Hopkins. First in yards, 100 more than the next closest guy. 15th in touchdowns. You can make a case that he actually should be like priced in a, especially a full PPR right around where McCaffrey is except he's just not scoring touchdowns. And that is actually not in line with anything. Like that, if you think that there's, like there's still upside on him. 
like at these prices. I, I, that seems crazy when the guy's like almost $10,000, except that the touchdown equity just hasn't been there for him. So I, you could actually say you're still getting Michael Thomas as a buy low candidate, which feels nuts. But if you think the touchdown, like the, 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 the amount that this guy converts, like you said, and the steady hand that he has, he should just have more touchdowns. Like that's just the only thing. That's just like, especially the Saints offense is good. I, he just run bad. So anyway, if you think, I, I think it's crazy to call a 9,000 plus guy a low, a candidate to buy low on. Uh, I do think that's the case with Thomas here. That's the case to make a strong case to make uh, for him for cash games. Again, not like you need to, you know, go on a limb. We just did all the limbs to <laughs> that we went on to make Michael Thomas a cash game. DJ Moore, we mentioned, Michael Thomas mentioned. I'm just going to throw out a, I do think this is a cheap wide receiver week. And in the interest of time, I want to blow through a couple names here that I think you can consider. The first is Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was pretty highly owned last week, and I get it because uh, without Mohamed Sanu, he just, you know, it stood to reason that he was going to see an uptick in opportunity. The opportunity wasn't really there, but the thing that's been different with Ridley, with Sanu out, is the snaps. So always, like, the reason, like, last year we didn't like playing Ridley was we always said, in the hierarchy of snaps, he was always third behind Jones and Sanu. It was actually Sanu had more snaps than Jones, usually, because he was more of a blocking wide receiver. Um, it was like Sanu, then Jones, and then a steep drop-off, then Ridley, except he always called these touchdowns. The snaps have now come back because of no Sanu, but the opportunity wasn't totally there. But I think that the fact that he was chalk last week and underperformed, I think I'm easily, I think this is a very easy call for me this week with, with, with Calvin Ridley. Uh, your thoughts on that? Because this is not a guy, we, we, we did not play him in cash last week. It was fine. We, I, was, I was fine on the fade. But the, I'm, I'm actually happy to go back to it this week. Uh, I can't say I'm happy to go to it. I, I can certainly see a reason just because we have so many expensive plays that we really want to make. I don't. The matchup doesn't get any easier going from New Orleans to Carolina, does it? I no. Mean, Carolina's been an excellent passing defense this season. Uh, you know, basically outside of that truly absurd historical New England and San Francisco defenses, um, you know, Carolina's been right there. So I can't say I love the matchup. I could see him having a great week. I don't know that it's... It's not like crystal clear slam dunk to me. Like I, I, like where I would go into this week and be like, dude, I'm building lineups around McCaffrey and Cook and everyone else can screw off. I don't feel that way about Ridley. I feel that way about Moore, but not Ridley's not quite on that level to me. Let me just make sure I'm saying this correctly too. I'm talking about all this is relative to price. 5,500 on FanDuel is like just the place where I'm willing to buy and I understand the the matchup stuff, right? Okay, so... Um, yeah, well, and you got hammered on a 5,500 price tag last week if you played Ridley. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Like, I don't think it's... I don't think it's, it's, it's not bad. I just don't, I'm not like super enthusiastic. I think it's a case where if he's like 70% owned, that's probably too high. Um, we'll see. Other guys, I think they're going to see ownership this week at lower, at sort of like these middle tier prices. The reason I'm focused on these guys is because I think, like I said, McCaffrey and Cook are the, and even probably Watson or Jackson are the priorities. And I, the, outside of maybe Michael Thomas, wide receiver is not a priority. So I'm trying to get as many targets uh, for as cheap as possible. Uh, I mentioned Ridley. Mohamed Sanu, I think, is going to see a lot of ownership. Now, in a, in a catch-up game last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, he had he led the team in targets with 14. He went 10 for 14 for 81 and a touch from Tom Brady. Um, if this is if he's if he and Edelman are just going to be like just the two main possession receivers, um, it's always been Edelman. But if Sanu is just going to sort of inhabit this role too, these routes that they like to run, then I think that Sanu at 5,800 on FanDuel is almost he might just be. 
Like, let's say, let's put it this way: they're the same price tier, Ridley or Sanu in the in the scenario. Sanu. Okay. All right. Yeah. So snapping off Sanu, absolutely. I think it's going to end up being all three, frankly. Um, just because you're getting these three guys under six thousand, and I think that's just a phenomenal place to be. Like we have Devonte Parker at fifty six hundred in there. I'm fine getting rid of him. I did write him up. I think he's a fine play. Um, but in terms of the, in terms of like trust, I would just definitely put Sanu and Ridley in there. Both of them are are reasonable DraftKings prices too. Like Sanu at fifty one hundred for a PPR situation looks pretty good to me like if Devonte parker i mentioned at 4700 uh i could probably take a risk on it so I, there are there are enough of the dd westbrook if he comes back this week they're getting nick Foles back um nick Foles is going to start over Minshew this week um dd westbrook's only 4500 if he's healthy they're on a buy so there's not been not much injury news so i'm going long-winded here but do you feel in general from a bird's eye view this is the, the strategy we're going to do you think there's enough of these guys that i've kind of mentioned that will land on three that we feel good about it doesn't need to be any one of them that I mentioned here, but do you think that there, do you think there's just enough guys that we can go this route in cash games? Yeah, I think there's enough names uh, kicking around. I wouldn't mind Parker either. I think you know it's it is what it is. Like Miami's not a terrific situation, obviously for anyone involved, uh, but they've had some success throwing him the ball, and he's getting the the red zone looks too. So should Miami get into the red zone, he's got four touchdowns in the last six weeks for one of the league's worst offenses. So uh, he's he's certainly the plan there, and. Yeah, when in doubt, I guess like when it comes to these cheap guys, the reason I prefer Moore and Sanu and then, you know, to a lesser extent, Parker over a guy like Ridley is, we've seen it already. Uh, that's that's all I'm ever asking for when it comes to my DFS plays. I just want to have seen it once. And with Ridley, I feel like I haven't seen it yet. So in that group, I, I think he comes in fourth for me. And I recognize that, you know, people are really excited to dream on this and other people are going to have him higher. But yeah, I, I'm going to put him fourth in that group. Yep, that makes sense. And by the way, there's other guys in this too. Like uh, John Brown is here. I think Marquise Brown, people will talk to themselves. There are other guys. Like there's a lot of players in this 50, in this mid-5,000s, less than 6,000 range, especially on FanDuel, that is just going to make, again, lineups look very easy. I think if there's any going to be any... Um, movement around ownership I think it's gonna be in this group of guys where I think there are six to seven of these wide receivers that are all sort of in the same tier and they all have similar opportunity not more is not uh, I think he sits by himself but um, the rest of these guys I think people will kind of just try to you know finagle two or two or three of these guys into laps uh, hit us off, finish us off quickly with tight ends uh, and then we'll get out of here we'll be back to the game by game podcast tomorrow sure yeah tight end is a train wreck as always um, what's it feels like the actual good tight ends are just off the main slate every single week, except for last week when Travis Kelsey was there, who we called an absolute must play and then didn't play. Um, but this week, it's actually even more grim than that. I think off the, let's see, I, I did a write-up of this under Mark Andrews. So let me give you the guys that are either in bad, terrible spots or hurt right now. Uh, Kittle and Hooper, both banged up. Uh, Waller has been bad, back-to-back weeks. Um, Ertz has the Pats. And then Kelsey, Everett, who's actually been coming on a lot recently for the Rams, and then Ingram, none of those guys are on the main slate. So here we are. We have whatever's left over. Uh, one of those guys that I'm curious to get your thoughts on, a guy we've played many, many times in the past, but not for a very long time, is Greg Olson. So Olson comes out last week, you know, in Kyle Allen's best week, in the week where Kyle Allen threw the most passes, gets a season-high 10 targets, uh, converts that into eight catches for 98 yards. Now, the problem with Olsen this season has been he came out and he was getting targeted a lot by Newton when the season began. Ever since Newton disappeared, Olsen, you could put him on a mill card. Like, you have two targets, no catches against the Jags. Two targets for two catches against San Francisco. Is this Kyle Allen finally waking up and or awakening and being like, 
oh yeah, this tight end guy on our team, he's pretty good, huh? I threw him the ball 10 times. He caught eight of them. Is he just becoming aware of this now? Was it a fluke because Allen did throw the 43 passes against Green Bay? Or do you think this is something we can rely on? And I guess, put more simply, does it even matter at 5,100 at a position that's just stocked with bad players and terrible plays? Yeah, um, I think that I think it's probably both things, right? I think that like as he gets more comfortable with passing, then I think we're just going to see, um, which he's going to see more targets. I think that I think Olson will actually be pretty chalky. Atlanta's just loud to some huge games to opposing tight ends this season. Like Ertz had 17 points, Fells had 16. I just did a quick query in this while you're talking. Everett had 15, Jared Cook had 13, Max Williams had 12. Like basically every every week Atlanta has just allowed a tight end to score like 10 or more fantasy points um and so I think just even so yeah even from so I think it's just it's a confluence of two things right it's like the Olsen targets seem like they're getting steadier they seem like they're getting more comfortable with the pass and you just have this sort of like defense that can't stop this one specific position it is a little weird to see this happen like so late in the game with the guy especially because he's like old these guys have been a million injuries in his career too so uh where a lot of these other wide receivers see like seem like they're just headed in the wrong direction like Ertz and Rudolph and guys like that just I don't know like all these other guys are kind of getting hurt um Olsen does seem like he's turning about the clock a little bit I think just from that piece of it I think he'll just be the highest on guy and I think we can probably just move on Andrews did catch another touchdown last week or did he catch two touchdowns last week I, I he caught at least one um he, he's another one like they just they it's crazy to have three tight ends just get so much usage in an, in an offense like the Baltimore just does a totally different thing than anybody else in the NFL when you look at their receiving tree each week it's just crazy to see like um, uh, Boyle and um I'm forgetting that Hurst and all the Hayden Hurst and these guys and then Mark Andrews like the snaps are all over the place and the targets but uh, I don't mind either one but I just do I think people are just gonna play yeah Andrews caught two touchdowns last week I just think that when it comes to playing him or Darren Waller's the other one the question I would be asking myself is am I sure that these guys are just going to be better than Greg Olson because if it was like Kittle last season or Kelsey the answer would be yes and that's what I think the mistake was for us last week where I think you could have looked at Kelsey and been like, okay, he's a 1000 cheaper than he was to start the season. He was incredible last year. He's got his quarterback back fully healthy. Like, this is just a play. You don't need to go down and be speculating, you know, in the dregs of the Mike Gesicki's of the world and stuff like that. This week, you just don't have something like that. So given that Olsen out-targeted Andrews last week and that Andrews, you know, he has the targets, but the production isn't always there, and two touchdowns is not guaranteed for him either, I just don't think you need to, to force it. I will say if you want to pay up a little bit more, like if you think Olsen and the one-off week is a little bit too spooky, I do like Jared Cook going up against Tampa Bay. Uh, in a similar matchup last week with Atlanta, he was targeted 10 times, caught six balls for 74 yards. Tampa Bay has been great against the run this year, terrible against the pass. And obviously, I think the Saints know that. Um, he had 12 fantasy points against Tampa Bay in their last meeting. Granted, he did have a touchdown there. Uh, but that's part of Cook's makeup. Like, he, he will get red zone targets, too. So I think he's playable. Um, again, I think given that all these guys are essentially the same, getting the outrageous savings going down to Olsen so I can pay up at a position where there's more safety involved, it just makes sense to me. Like, I think one of the things people don't always realize, too, this happens in baseball, but, you know, we were talking about the crazy values at running back, right, where we're like, hey, Cook and McCaffrey, like, you know, they're they're valued at, you know, less than 2x um, their overall production, and so that's crazy. Well, when it comes to Jackson and Watson, you're looking at getting guys at 3x their salary, right? So at Jackson averaging 27 fantasy points a game on less than a 9,000 salary and Watson averaging more than 24 on an 8,200 salary, like just on a raw points per dollar basis, that's sort of why you need to pay up the quarterback on FanDuel, right? Uh, and tight end is the exact opposite. Like even these quote-unquote good tight ends, their season-long production is like 
1.2x their price or something like that. Right. So that's that when we're talking about position picking positions where to pay down, that's why tight end always winds up getting the short end of the stick. So just a little historical DFS data for you before we get out of here. Buddy, you always end on such a positive note. That's why I'm going to continue to do this podcast with you each and every week. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. Not not the money that comes in. The money is secondary the to money this, is the all positivity buddy, that you get to start your day. <laughs> buddy, when we started working together, we made $0, and I was happy to do it. The money's only been a bonus. Not me. I tried to quit a few months out. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, I remember. Right, I first, remember. I should have watched first I basketball, I, baseball overlap, <laughs> I was like, I was out the door. I tried to give you more equity in the company. I wanted to do... Just quit altogether, but uh, yeah, my, in my deep, in my deep dark moments, I think time. I should own more DFSR than James does because that to that too much. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right we're gonna. Go. I still worked plenty during that time. I just didn't appreciate it very much. I will say that. So, uh, yeah, six years, six years passed, buddy. We we launched this business about six years ago when you were visiting me for around Thanksgiving time, and I, I bet too much money on the Golden State Warriors, even or Verona, uh, Tony Douglas filling in for Steph Curry. I remember that well. And we won, and I thought I'm going to bet thousands of dollars doing this, even though I don't know anything about it. So well, there here we are. are. Six all years later, years all a little history lesson in general. Okay, DFSR.com is the site. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com/slash/deals. Uh, we'll get you started on our projection system, powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. You get a free seven-day trial for it, uh, and then you just twenty-nine ninety-five a month after, and that's going to include basketball projections, football, hockey. It's all covered under one subscription. Live user chat leading up to every single lock. Uh, you're not going to find a better deal than this, um, or more personalized deal either in the industry. Uh, you can just get, feel free go check out all the other sites. See if you get that. Come back to us. That's what our users say over and over and over again, and that's why we've been around for six years, competing with the big boys, um, just because we think we provide as good, if not better, a service than them for less cost. And there's really no better. There's no better sales line than that. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. Go check out our basketball podcast as well. Uh, on this, it's on a different feed, but just DFSR NBA podcast. And we'll be back again tomorrow with a game-by-game breakdown for Week 11. Buddy, six years later, I still love talking to you. Same here, bud. Bye.